much as we did last time, I think it was for Lower Decks, uh, this title, Veritas, has is a common Star Trek trope, which uses Latin in the title, or it's a Latin title. Uh, how many episodes before this, across all of the franchise, have had Latin titles, Clay? Guess the number. We'll see if you get any. Uh, I think you were two off last time that you did it, so let's see if you can do it this time. Um, so what? 14. So this is the 14th, you're saying? Yes. This is the 12th. So you're two off again. Ah, it's again, it's again, the, it's again the 12th. It's the same number. It's the same number. It was yeah. the same number. <laughs> it's, um, so your accuracy is your precise, if not accurate, however that little dartboard of logic works out. But the other ones are Dramatis Personae, Sub Rosa, Ex Posto Facto, Non Sequitur, Alter Ego, Inter Arma, Enin, Sound Legus, Terra Novus, Vox Sola, Sivis Passum, Parabellum. Parabellum, that's an Arcadia Ego Part 1. That's an Arcadia Ego Part 2. That's actually interesting. Does that count as two episodes? That doesn't count. You might, you might have beat yourself that time. This one's called Veritas. So we're going to take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and we'll break down Veritas. Why are you doing this to me? I need you to tell me that your senior officers are infallible heroes. Well, they're not. And that's okay. We all joined Starfleet to dive headfirst into the unknown. We're explorers. Of course we don't always know what's going on. Did Picard know about the Borg? Did Kirk know about that giant Spock on Phylos? Did Dr. Crusher know about that ghost in the lamp thing from the Scottish planet that she hooked up with that one time? That whole thing. You clearly want us to say that the captain and her crew messed up, but we simply don't have the full story, and that's the truth. Whatever they did, I guarantee you it was all for good. You have shown no evidence that they're guilty of a crime. In fact, I find you guilty of trying to take them down with this sham of a trial. Drumhead! All right, so Veritas is the eighth episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. We've only got two left after this. It aired on 24th of September 2020, written by Garrick Bernard. Interacted by Kim Arndt in Universe State is unknown, but it's 2380. In this episode, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are caught off guard when certain aliens force them to testify about a series of apparently unrelated events. There was a tweet from Trek Report, I think. If I'm misremembering, I'm misremembering. They said, this should be the pilot of the show. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd say that. I do think this is probably my favorite episode so far. Um... I don't I don't really know. Well, I guess I, I I don't I don't know what you gain really by making this the pilot of your show because there's no introduction to anything. It's just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I strongly disagree um, with the tweet. I don't see how this is a pilot. Yeah. Um No, I don't think this is a pilot. The episode is even playing off the fact that there's no setup. Uh, part of the joke is that there's no setup to anything so that you don't have any understanding of what's going on within the episode itself. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I like, could you adjust it? it? Could you adjust it into a pilot? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. But as it stands, I don't think this would be a good pilot. Well, if you now. if you adjust it, I think it kills the joke sort of because they're, they're I think sure. I feel them rushing to get through all of the material that they have to get through in this 22 minute stretch, which they have at a joke where the the guy has only booked his party hall for 22 minutes and they, right. they have to get yes. out of there. <laughs> I agree. This was the best episode of the show so far. I thought mm-hmm. I think that the um, they've been getting better as the season goes on because I said that last week about it where it was my favorite. I think this one's actually even better. I um. I thought this was the best marriage of references and independent jokes out of anything. Like I thought that the comedy worked better here than it worked mm. in anything else. And it was it was a lot of references, but it wasn't 
it wasn't the show sitting around saying, look at the references we're making. It was just like sort of right. burning through a ton. Like I almost, you know, you show me this episode before any of the others, I'd say this is a whole season worth of material that you're referencing here and you're just burning through it in 22 minutes. But um, I liked it. I thought that they they continue to take all of our advice. They, they sort of split up the crew. Well, this is more of an ensemble thing that everyone is involved equally in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the characters are split up a little bit more, and, and the character pairings are different because each lower decks character goes off with their own cast of characters and their storyline. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I I thought it was clever and funny, and like even small jokes like Tendy's subplot has uh, confidential material, so everyone's eyes are blacked out. Yes, in the that thing. was great. It's very I funny. Liked that a lot. They made. Um, sorry, I'm just kind of going off, but I'll throw it to you after this one. It's just the. Uh, they made a ble- they made a bleep joke that was an improvement on the bleep joking mm-hmm. they've been doing. Where the in the Tendy one, everyone is censored, so they're bleeping a lot of the stuff they say. But Ransom at the very end goes, "Rom bleep Yulin." So there's, there's like there's no there's nothing that's actually being bleeped. They're just adding a bleep to it, which is funny. And so it, yeah, it seems like the show's yeah. just sort of um, learning, or at least developing in a way that I'm happy to see. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think they did that stuff better in this episode, even though they started with one that was very much a uh, if if this stuff bothers you, I could see it being a groaner, which is the uh, uh, biggest badass debate between Khan and I can't Dana remember Dana Rogar. Dana Rogar. Yeah, <clears throat> Dana Rogar. Does he? Is that a podcast host? No, <laughs> it's a UFC um, uh, championship owner. Yes. Yeah, it's a horrible. If you put if you put Joe Rogan and Dana White into the fly <laughs> transport, you get this horrible mutant third being called Dana Rogan. You um you covered um, that episode just like just to embarrass you. Do you remember what episode that is? You remember that name? I'm no, I'm not embarrassed. It's a it's. Uh, of course I don't. <laughs> you don't remember his hair? What? It's no, the hunted. I remember nothing. The, hunt, of that. the hunted episode, um, which has uh, James Cromwell as the guy who creates a super soldier and has to hunt him down, and Picard has to track this guy through the ship. It's the one where Jordy says, uh, "You better double it." It's it's that Jordy episode. If you remember, sounds great. I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> you should listen to the podcast um, about it. Yeah, I know. I I, I bet it's very insightful. Uh, yeah, I'm like that, that joke, it was fine. You know, that was a little bit, uh, showy for showy's sake as far as references go. But I mean, the stuff that they were doing in the episode, I thought was really, really fun. Uh, I actually, um, the, the vibe that I got from this whole episode, which I don't know if, if that's why it stuck out to me so, so, uh, much, but a lot of it felt like, like, like nightmares almost the different scenarios, even though they're played for laughs, it's like, the whole Rutherford sequence felt like a nightmare mm-hmm. to me where it's like, you know, you're not really sure what's going on. You wake up in this crazy situation, then you black out, wake up in another situation. Like it's constantly moving. They all kind of had that element of being put into a situation that you're not prepared for. Yeah. Um, which is a, a staple of, of, of nightmares. Dream about um, that. Yeah. Be, being in high school and in your underwear or whatever the, uh, the trope is. Yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah. I've, I had, I had a dream once that I was playing guitar. I had to play guitar for Iron Maiden, but I didn't know any of the songs. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, you're at like rock and Rio in Brazil and you don't, you know, you stand there, you have no idea what's going on. Like that kind of thing. But obviously that's what you that part. <laughs> <laughs> Just yell fear of the dark a bunch of times and they seem to love it. Um, like, obviously, they're not playing it for for a scare factor or anything like that. But it's the the tension of it was was nicely baked into it because that is a universal uh, stressful situation being thrown into something that you 
are expected to perform at a high level and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I'd say it's, um, um, I'd say it's a darker take or I don't know. I don't think it's cynical. Maybe dark isn't the right word either, but it's a kind of um, uh, maybe adult is the right word. I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that I think the show has to go for. There's one mm-hmm. um, like a fairly adult joke where the uh, the cat doctor at the end says, I think I'll shave my blank. Like they bleep out, you know, and it's just yeah. like, it's like, well, that's kind of adult for uh whoever they think that they're aiming this at. But I like it when the show does that. So I like the nightmare scenarios and I like the kind of um, uh, darker spin on what they think is actually going on in the Star Trek universe here. They lighten it by mm. the, the end thing. is just I'm throwing a party. This isn't actually a a, a, uh, a trial or anything like that. But right. I, I, I like that tone. And I would just disagree Speaking with Speaking of anyone. trials. What's that? Speaking of trials, the Q sequence was my favorite part of the episode. I really enjoyed that. I had to... Um, I had to look up on Google that that was actually Delancey. I d- it didn't sound like him at all to me. I know he's thirty years older than yeah. he was at that yeah, time. Yeah, he's just. I think he's just older yeah. at this point. Yeah, just I. I was <clears throat> when it aired. I, was, I knew he was in this episode, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, it's." I was all prepared to come in with the opening question, being like, "Is it really a cameo if it's not the voice actor that you're expecting to be?" Oh, like, right, I was like, yeah, "Does that yeah. count as a as a thing?" But it is him. He just sounds old. Uh, yeah, he's he's good to have it. I don't mind uh, sort of references like that or guest cameos like that i think it works um and other than that I, like i i liked the i thought that this script had the most interesting setup to it and mm-hmm. it, this tends to be the case when characters do flashback sequences like this um have you ever seen the community episode where it's a clip show but all the clips they show are stuff that has never yeah. happened in any other yeah, show new, that, new clips yeah a plus. It's the same with um, stuff. Clerk, Clerks Animated did that with it because its second yes, episode was did. a clip yes. show, but there was, there was yes. not, none of the clips they've seen before. Uh, yeah, I, I I like the structure of this one. I like the. I just felt like the the humor was working here. Whoever Garrick Bernard is, I think that he wrote the best script. If he if it's not a room writing this, if he had any kind of input on it, but he, his um his jokes all worked. I thought that he flowed between the characters really well. I thought all the characters shined as different characters in this like even rutherford they they brought back his vulcan eye thing as like a main uh, mm-hmm. driver of his uh storyline tendy i thought was funny uh did you have a favorite mm-hmm. storyline out of all of them i think i'm i'm between rutherford <clears throat> and tendy i think tendy's actually wins out on me um it's got the great uh censorship jokes and then it's got the the guy saying they're scanning us and then nope no there's not the scanning nope yes. no they're scanning nope nope no nope. it just all kind of worked i know it all sounds subjective mm. on the podcast especially if you haven't seen it but I, th- I thought this was the funniest episode yeah i think i think they they nicely structured it or or wrote each sequence so that it wasn't just carbon copies of each other they were all very different kind they were the thematically they were the same about not being prepared and being caught in a situation you weren't ready for being lower decks officers not having information to understand what they're doing yeah but the actual content i thought was was really was really varied and fun um i think i liked rutherford's the best just because i i the it allowed them to do so much with him blacking out and then subverting that joke by having him rely on blacking out to get out yeah. of the Gorn wedding situation, <laughs> yeah. but then he wakes back up and he's still at the Gorn wedding. The Gorn wedding. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> but I, I also like I like some of the uh I like the subtler stuff that they were doing. Like there was um did we cover Ready Player One? No. No. I uh I watched it maybe last year or something. And uh the weird thing that I found about that movie was 
it was top to bottom full of references to stuff. And like that, that's the reason I never wanted to see it because it's like, oh boy, it's going to be like, oh, oh, everybody look, it's the DeLorean. Oh, do you remember Freddy Krueger? Um, but the thing that surprised me about that movie was how little of that stuff got called out. Like they're doing it, they're showing it to you. Yeah, there's a sequence where he's driving around in the DeLorean from Back to the Future, but nobody's like pointing it out and going like, oh man, I remember, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're not drawing attention to it. It just becomes part of the world, which makes it easier to swallow, I think. And I think this one has the best jokes that fall under that category too. Like I, I loved the uh, the headband over the ears thing yeah. when, uh, when they're pretending to be uh, Vulcans or Romulans or whatever. <clears throat> and st- stuff like that i think i think that stuff works better when you do it and you don't draw attention to it unless drawing attention to it is the joke yep just because it's referencing your it, voyage home is what i think of in that case yes right? yeah, yeah with, exactly with yeah. trying to hide himself but i i also i i did also uh i i really liked when when he <laughs> he uh, rutherford knocked out the two vulcans and and the security guy referred to them as spock and spock over here like that's that's the kind of thing where it's like it's a reference but nobody points out the fact that that's those are the, that's the only vulcan name he knows it's, yeah. that's just the joke yep yeah it's the same with um rutherford that there's one sequence in particular starts with uh where they they're trying to steal the ship or whatever and Shrax, who's the security officer, is climbing the leg of the ship. But it's very funny to me. He's like mm-hmm. he's sort of like hump climbing the leg of the ship. And then the, mm-hmm. the guard comes over and it's kind of a family guy tone of humor where he's like, hey, you're whatever he says this open. He's like, hey, you're attracting my attention. And then he's looking at yeah. it, he does the fan dance of who her is thing. And he's like, hey, now I'm distracted. Um, <laughs> I thought I, they did. Like you're saying, it's a lot of references without overtly saying what they were doing. Occasionally, you do get that the Dana Rogar thing. They reference what that's from. Uh, they reference that it's mm-hmm. a TNG activity and stuff like that. But the Uhura fan dance from Five, they don't reference what it is. It just seems kind of strange if you're unfamiliar with the material. Mm. I was, uh, I was, I did appreciate the the shout out to Sub Rosa though. Yep. Uh, when he when he mentions Crusher falling in love with the candle ghost, that's Sub Rosa, right? Yeah, he called it a torch or something, though. Interestingly, it's like you got the reference wrong. It is Sub Rosa, but it's a candle. He didn't he like that candle. Yeah, they they referenced that. I um, I did <clears throat> I did like that sequence where he was calling out all the reasons why, uh, the, the all the instances in which they get into things they're not prepared for, and how this trial is a sham, and then he just yells drumhead. Drumhead. <laughs> and um. To wrap it up, I thought that they landed in a sweet spot of the lower decks officers aren't complete um, incompetence in the view of the mm-hmm. senior officers. Like there's there's not a there's not a I think the earlier episodes almost ended up with like a sort of visceral hatred that was coming from the senior staff towards the lower deck officers, and here they treat them mm-hmm. more as there's antagonism between them, but they're not. Uh, completely different camps of uh, loyalty, really. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a relationship that's implied between the two of them. Um, and I think I'd prefer that. I think I, I think outright hostility doesn't always suit those uh, the storylines that they're trying to do, but I think if they do something more he- here where it's more nuanced and um, almost like they, they stick to the quote-unquote heart of Star Trek where Boimler gives a speech about like what it means to be in Starfleet and the senior officers are appreciative of that, but then they ended with a little joke about what he has to do anyway. But I like, I, I like the tone that they struck there. 
Yeah, I like the ending where they. Uh, it's sort of a. a it, it's sort of a similar ending to um, the episode where uh, Mariner and her mom kind of come together, and then at the end they kind of Mariner tells her, you know, turns back into her old self, yeah. and they kind of split apart. But this time it's not because of the lower decks guys. It's be, it's the bridge crew being like we're all about transparency and then they ask him basic questions and they're like well i don't know maybe you guys need to go away. yeah 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 um like that i thought that was nice <clears throat> excuse me um and i i thought i thought the uh i thought the structure of this was really nice too because not only they, they weren't just all the vignettes that they were doing were not just vignettes for the sake of vignettes they were all servicing the over overarching story yeah which you you find out at the end what everything was for and i feel like this is i feel like this is the correct way to handle that sort of like mystery thing because the mystery of what's going on remained engaging once you saw all the all the lengths that they were going to accomplish what they had to accomplish but it was never the point of the episode no, uh, interestingly, the, they they call out at the end how many plot holes are in this. They, they like they call out they're like, <laughs> why did any of this happen? Which is a yeah. good way to get like just acknowledge that there's a problem in your story. And a show like Lower Decks can just ex- hand wave it away by saying like, yeah, that's part of the joke. Is that none of this really makes sense? But they, mm. I read the uh, the log line before I watched the episode, and I was expecting much more of just a weird vignette joke setup, like a Family Guy esque. Sure. Like these are the different things that happened, and it doesn't make any sense. But they do. Uh, string together to tell a story but the story is not a good the story structurally is not sound by the end of it and then they make a joke about how that's the case as well yeah and you know i think um i don't think this would make a good pilot but i'm actually kind of surprised this wasn't the last episode of the season yeah because this feels more like a season finale it's it it almost feels like a thesis statement for the show Mm -hmm. um because it's it's covering everything it's sort of like a it's one of those episodes where you kind of re, the, the characters are kind of reflecting on their actions and reflecting on what the show has been doing up to this point so uh i mean if this were if this were regular star trek i would say get ready for like a barn burner two-part season finale after this because usually they do this kind of like uh take a step back kind of episode before they send you into the next uh yep. next thing but uh i don't know if if what what their plans are for the end of the season if they're gonna just if the episodes are just the episodes or if they're gonna do any sort of cliffhanger thing i you know i wonder if they'll do speculate. a two-parter because discovery and Picard I was, both did two-parters <clears throat> i was just gonna say season ending cliffhangers are such are so baked into star trek I would be shocked if there's not at least at the very least a joke, a joke about, about that it. in the yeah. last yeah like if that if that isn't the final episode I could see them doing a to be continued on something really mundane at the very end right um but you know who who knows we'll see yeah um and I guess it's Roga Danar. I don't know if we've been pronouncing that right, but I'll cut off, head off the criticism at the past. I'm just looking at the memory alpha that's popping it up at me now um yeah, I I like this. I to me this was also the one that the the episode that most rewarded what people are going to say is too quick of a pacing for it. I mm-hmm. I thought the pacing here is appropriate because it's kind of this chaotic confusion that all the characters are undergoing and 
uh, they even built jokes on like the uh, the opening storyline for Boimler and Mariner is that he he tinkered with the red alert alarm in the sh- in the shuttle mm-hmm. bay bay or whatever, and then so they can't hear it when they, until they open up the door, and they built jokes off of that kind of. Uh, pacing but i thought that it also just worked in terms of like you don't know what's going on and this kind of speed of storytelling is just going to highlight your confusion or make it seem like it's even more crazy than it actually is yeah it worked it worked Um, it's like uh i'm getting used to the pacing of the show i think mm -hmm. like i i never really had a problem with it but I, i understand that this is kind of the speed that animated tv moves at it these days and i don't think it's i don't think it does any damage to the series as a whole no i think it's fine the uh <clears throat> the only thing that stood out to me this time that um, I don't know if they were doing more of it in this episode because of the pace and because of the stories or if I was just my ears were too sensitive this morning or something. But like it seemed like everybody was constantly yelling. Yeah. And it usually it seems like there's a couple characters who aren't. But this one it seemed like everybody was constantly screaming at each other. Yeah. Um, not, not necessarily a negative way, but it's just like the. The, the tenor of their voice was just heightened and loud. Especially the prosecutor um, guy, because he's constantly yelling yeah. at, at them about everything. No, it's that's another... I don't even pin that to anime. That's a uh, that's a style that uh, It's Always Sunny has made prominent, because I... Oh, yes, yes. I can't... Like, I, I have a hard time getting into It's Always Sunny, because I feel like every episode, it just ends in the characters getting into an argument where it escalates to the point where they're all yelling at each other, and I find it very... Right, I find right. it very, like, unpleasant to listen to, even though I, I like the show enough, but I... I, I, I was just saying, I went through and I watched... I, I had never watched that show uh, until a couple of years ago, and I went through and I watched the whole thing, and I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But my girlfriend... Anytime she would come through and I'd be, she's not paying attention to it. So she's only picking up like the tangential stuff. And she's, and she's like, how are you watching so much of that show? They're just screaming at each yeah. other for the whole episode. Yeah. It seems I'm like, you know, you're right. That is what they're doing. I don't know why it's not bothering me, but yeah, it's basically, it's really funny when they scream at each other, but it's the same with, um, I had a hard time getting into the last podcast on the left because I think that their pacing it takes a little bit to get used to mm-hmm. like the way that their conversation sure, sure. goes. You have to, when you first think in, you're like, Jesus, like, is there any, like, is, are they ever going to stick on something? You know, they, it seems like everything's mm-hmm. a tangent until you get the uh, sort of flow of how the show is actually operating and then you can yeah. sink into it. But yeah, you know, this is a, speaking of tangents, this might just be old man corner, but uh, have, have you noticed the sound mixing on streaming shows like across the board is terrible now? I mean, I've always had trouble hearing dialogue and everything. Every yeah, every single show I feel like I'm watching now, the music is mixed way higher than any of the dialogue. Yeah. So like, uh, we I thought it was just we started to notice when we were watching Doctor Who the past few seasons, where the dialogue was just mixed so muddy and the music was so loud that you have your thing turned up all the way trying to hear what the hell anybody's saying. And I feel like it's across the board now on 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 all the streaming shows. Do do you have a do you have a multi point? sound system like do you have like a 2.1 or no. 5.1 yes yeah, i just I, using the tv i wonder if it's the mix there where they want you to have multi-point surround systems and then crank up the middle uh audio source which carries the vocals mm. for it or the, uh, sure. the okay. dialogue and stuff like that we don't have it we just have like the soundbar thing and i always wonder mm. if it's just like if I upgraded my audio system to even like a 2.1, I could just crank up, turn down the side speakers so the music and sound effects are lower and then crank up the uh, dialogue mix in the middle. Mm. Um, mm. 
if that's the case, that seems like a stupid decision. They should just mix it properly from the start. The the source that's coming in should be fine for me. Um, mm. And I don't know if it's just getting older, if the the mix is bad. I don't I don't know if it's a streaming I, thing. I've noticed it in TV and stuff too. I think it might just be the way TV audio works. Well, I, I was wondering because I think there's a a big. I think streaming video is not as good as a lot of people think that it is. Um, I think it breaks up and there's a lot, there's a big loss of quality very quickly mm-hmm. in some spots. And so I was, I was thinking, well, maybe it has something to do with, maybe the, the audio is also affected by that too, the way everything is compressed and stuff, you know? Yeah, it could be. You notice that most in, um, uh, like when they try to display blacks, like black color, you notice, you, you notice the degrade, mm-hmm. degradation in that the most. I don't yeah, know about audio. It's just, it just seems like a they, bad mix. It's a Nolan influence on the uh, television production. Yeah. Yeah, everybody should be wearing masks. Uh, speak through masks, and they'll hear you clearly. I, um, you were mere, you merely adopted for audio. I was born molded by. I was born there. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I watching watching wrestling has been really interesting because they uh, they recently moved back into a stadium and they did the uh, um, NHL NBA thing where they've surrounded the ring with all these screens. Basically, they they like tripled down on their production now that they're not filming everything in a gym. Um, but what that means is, at least for the first week. They had more lasers than I've ever seen outside of a Star Trek episode. <laughs> discovery, and and a discovery battle scene is just uh, yeah, like that, basically. Yeah. And so every every time someone came out, all of these lasers and lights and shit would start going, and the cameras can't handle it. So what you end up watching is a, a person walks onto the the screen, the lights go on, and all of a sudden it turns into like a hazy eight bit video game, sure, because it just everything just shatters into pixels. <laughs> <laughs> so there are limitations on what they can do in broadcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of lights, did you see the the, uh, the teaser for next week? That looked pretty fun. I ignored it deliberately. Um, I don't oh, know why. Okay. I, I have no idea why. I think just to avoid podcasting where I'm like, what, ha- what happened to that scene in that episode? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it look like, just for people who are unfamiliar? They, they go, um, it looks like they're going to be in the holodeck and uh boimler is running some holodeck program but mariner has rewritten it so it plays like a movie mm-hmm. so she plugs her thing on you know, on and then everything starts looking like discovery and uh the kelvin movies where it's all hazy oh gotcha lots of uh what's the word i'm looking for the light things everybody hates the flares <laughs> Fla- lens flares there we go lens flares yeah flaring all over the place and they've got like titles swooping towards the camera and stuff it looks like it could be a lot of fun <laughs> yeah that'd be interesting um I, I like it when it sort of the show gently pokes fun at stuff like that i think i think I, I don't think that's a problem that the show has actually had i've i've been um relatively happy with where they choose to get their comedy from in terms of how much mm-hmm. of it is making fun of star trek and how much of it is um referential or whatever you want to call it or um respectful i don't i don't know what the word would be but sort of mm. like putting it up on a pedestal and elevating it um and here i go ahead, go ahead. no i just i, no, I, I just <laughs> we are, uh, we've been doing this for five years and we still can't avoid that okay well the the i i think that it's i guess i'm just trying to come up with any kind of problem i have for the show i don't really have a problem for mm. this show at this point like i don't I even feel that the criticism has died down of it a little bit, mm. uh, that people are kind has, of accepting it for what it is. How how has the discussion of it at all? is it, 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 I guess what I'm saying is, 
is it making a mark or is it sort of like had a flash at the beginning and now it's just like whatever? I think it's a flash at the beginning and now it's whatever. Just from our analytics standpoint, we get far less views on Lower Decks stuff than we do mm. for the enterprise coverage. It's like three times mm-hmm. less almost um, across mm-hmm. the podcast and the and, and the uh, YouTube views. I think I think it has its core audience. I think it started off like even I think even the aggressively anti. Star Trek coverage kind of dropped off quickly. I feel like they thought it was mm-hmm. a, it's a losing battle to continue fighting against Lower Decks on, on in some ways, um, which I would agree with because it's not the criticisms criticisms you can levy against Discovery and Picard in the short treks don't apply to Lower Decks because it's a different sure. kind of show. And so the, once sure. those bullets were used up, they didn't know what to do. So now I just I don't see many people talking about it really, which is mm-hmm. kind of good, kind of bad. Um, it's not bad. It's it's good. I, I, it's nice to have a Star Trek show come out that is not constantly overcovered. At least from my yeah. perspective of, of how I'm looking at it. As and as we as we cover it here, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think if anything that that lends itself to being uh, more of a dark horse winner. Winner's not the right word, but like, I if if underachiever or overachiever, I guess you. Yeah. yeah if I, I obviously I want people to watch it, but if there are fewer eyes on it um, critically. And promotionally, even it might lend it lend itself to having a little bit more wiggle room to do some really interesting, fun stuff. I think the over promotion spurs a lot of backlash against it. I, th- yeah. I think like the more you're flooded with it, the more you're just looking for a reason to be like, "Fuck this show!" Like I'm tired of yeah. I'm tired of Star Trek Twitter dot com telling me that this is the greatest thing that's ever happened, uh, and they, they're not doing that for Lower Decks. Uh, yeah, I. How, how how much do you find that promotion of a show equals people are watching the show in your brain? Because it's probably a hundred. Yeah, it's probably a hundred percent. I would assume it correlates perfectly with that. Although it's probably the yeah. opposite. The more that they're advertising, the less that people are watching it. Uh, but I, I don't yeah, because I have always what the USA Network plays so many shows. I don't know who's watching them. Like I don't know anyone. I, I know one person who's watched Suits. Yep. And Suits was on for like eight seasons. Or like Same with Burn NCIS. Notice. NCIS, yeah. which isn't on USA, the, the I don't only, think, but who's watching it? The only person I knew who watched NCIS was my grandmother. Yeah. But it's the highest and rated I, show on TV, I think. Or it's it's up there yeah. every for the past fifty years it's been on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's I, I, I think I think that there uh, I think the shows that are there are some shows that are just like workhorses that maybe don't get talked about a lot, but they're just there and they they do have a core audience that that watches them quite a bit. And are probably uh, hugely profitable. They probably make all the money yes. for the network. You know, it's just NCIS yeah. it just earns everything else for uh, all the, it's the tent pole for all the other shows. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It's interesting how advertising core in your brain correlates to, Oh, people are watching the show or, Oh, this is a popular show. Cause I, because I assume I, I would I would be surprised if there wasn't someone whose whose criticism of lower decks would, was like they don't even do, nobody's talking about the show who's watching it you know what I mean that mm-hmm. kind of thing but yep. whereas but I assume people are watching it but who knows yeah now the the um they don't release numbers about any of this stuff they're like Netflix it's all kept very close to the vest um there was some <laughs> some podcast that there there there's there's this one Star Trek podcast I won't mention who it is but they had a uh they're reporting on rumors or something it just seems like such youtube rumors where they they're like picard the the 
the headline is like Picard's audience drops off 50% between the first and the last episode. I'm like, well, that seems kind of drastic. And so I listened to it and it's based only on, they only release numbers like this uh, on the Canadian version of whatever's streaming the show. So these are Canada mm-hmm. numbers, which are 200 people. Like the, I, I, there's nothing as Canada, but there's no one in Canada. Like the population is <laughs> tiny in and of itself. And then how many of those mm-hmm. people are watching Star Trek Picard, you know, outside of that? Mm-hmm. It's a tiny sample size. You just can't draw any kind of, there's nothing meaningful about that compared to the rest of the world. You're going to say that Picard? this is I, I think I've heard Picard is a national hero in Quebec. <laughs> That's um, true. He is, yeah. he is a Francophile. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't I don't understand why people care about that stuff, honestly. Like I I don't I don't see why if if you're reporting on numbers, real numbers or perceived numbers, I feel like you're missing the point of of what you're doing because well i'd also i need to see what other shows do do how is that unusual for a show to have a 50 percent drop off from its pilot to sure you know that seems like a kind of a common thing to happen i would assume yeah i don't think it's that crazy i mean if you're going by if you're going by comic book rules uh generally you have by cells yeah yeah the the rule of thumb is like anything over five issues in a series, you're going to see a drastic drop off because mm-hmm. you've got a huge set, huge pop for the first issue, and then they progressively dip in the, as they go along and they settle at a certain point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would not be shocked to see the numbers fall that that much for t- any TV show. It doesn't have yep. to just be Picard. Yep. Um, yeah. But still, I, to my larger point, I speculating on ratings or number. Like I'm not. I personally am not coming to a Star Trek show for uh, like a uh, the Wall Street Journal's analysis of Star Trek and how the how the the how the franchise is doing monetarily and viewers. Well, I don't give a shit about that. I mm-hmm. it's the show that you're either talking about the show or you're wasting your time. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's it's indicative of whether or not the show would continue. I guess is that point. But I think that mm-hmm. the 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 new model almost makes ratings irrelevant because you can just get by with smaller numbers watching a show. So as long mm-hmm. as people are subscribing to your subscription model, it's irrelevant how many people are watching it. HBO, if right. no one was watching HBO, but they had the same amount of subscription numbers, they'd be like, this is fine, whatever. Like they're, they're giving us money. It's, mm. it's, it's maybe upsetting to the creators of the shows that no one is watching their stuff. But from a business being HBO's perspective, that seems fine to them. Like there's mm. no drop off. Yeah. I'm I'm curious uh now here we go speculating about numbers and and the futures of shows after I said I didn't want to do that but uh I'm curious as to whether or not CBS is going to end up taking the Netflix approach where they're just going to do 3 seasons of everything and then then kill it because mm-hmm. the reruns are more profitable than the new stuff. Yeah, and it's um I assume it's the mentality you're talking about with the comic books, but I think it applies to everything, which is that the longer something goes, the less of an audience there is. So you just want to sure Netflix's model is just like you want to just keep flashing and flooding the home screen with new stuff that people are like, what the hell right. is this? And then they'll start watching it. You don't That's want why- you don't want the people to complain endlessly on the internet. How come I keep seeing the same goddamn movies on my Netflix uh, home screen? Right. That's why you, if you look at your even in your your list that you have there, the images they use for those movies change like monthly yeah yeah just to make it seem like it's new content even though yeah. it's not yeah no it's it's all it's all built around that i would assume that they will um 
I don't know if Discovery's fourth season has been confirmed to this point. I don't know if that's the case, but I, I was I thought for sure Discovery's third was going to be its final. Uh, but it seems mm-hmm. less obvious that that's the case at this point. But which means it's going to be good because that's you know that's right. what's going to happen. This. The third <laughs> the season's going to be fantastic, <laughs> and then they're going to end it, and it's going to be like ah, no, so I, close. The the um. It'll just follow Enterprise's model. The original creators and writers will come back for the finale episode, and everyone will go, God right. damn it, like, what the hell happened here? Right, right. Uh, I guess we're done with Veritas. That's, um, do you have any final points for this one? I'm, we always um, tend to run low on lower, or we run short on Lower Decks episodes, and we end up talking about other things just because it is kind of a difficult to show to talk about it outside of whether or not you think it's improving or whether or not it worked for you. Um, mm-hmm. I, just, I thought the script and the structure were interesting here. It held my attention in a way that the other Lower Decks episodes haven't almost. Um, I was I was, I was, was engrossed by the stories in a way that the other episodes had managed to do, even though they all feel very fast. Uh, and I thought it was the funniest one out of all of them. Yeah, it was, um, it was the least structured like a classic star trek episode but i do think it was really successful it was it was well written and well put together um and i i just there was one other joke that i wanted to mention that i enjoyed which was uh when they were talking about going to earth the mariner said earth is so boring all you do is drink wine and hang out at vineyards mm-hmm. which if she had stopped there i was like yeah okay yeah picard joke but then she said and soul food restaurants <laughs> which i was not expecting so i like that i like that quite a bit that's the thing that's the thing that I like is it, they seem to be leaning really heavily on TNG humor, which obviously, um, but it's when they slip in the the Deep Space Nine type stuff that you're not quite expecting them to hit. That's when I when I really enjoy the references they're making. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of um, the only Enterprise reference I can think is the Sulaban has been in a, f- mm-hmm. a few episodes. Um, but they haven't like really... they've mentioned Captain Picard in this show like a thousand yeah. times. I don't think they've said Cisco once. No, or no Archer, Janeway. Yeah, they they do keep hammering home on Picard. Um, whether or not that's a- which I, you know I, it makes it makes sense. But if if you're if you're doing this stuff for fans of the franchise, if you're pulling out these references, then I think it's it's you can go deeper with them, and 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 people are are gonna hang with you still. Well, do you think that's a, a creator side choice, or is that a executive side choice? I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. It feel it feels to me creator side. I, I don't feel that they're mm. heavily being. It feels natural. It, I just feel that these fans are um, the, this production team are just fans of TNG, and I think TNG is the most mm-hmm. popular Star Trek series out of all of them at this point. So, uh, McMahon had that TNG season eight Twitter handle, uh, right, where right. he just tweeted sort of jokes about TNG's eighth season uh, plot lines. Um, I would like to see them branch out. I. In some ways, though, that actually feels like a reward for um, heavy air quotes here, but like true Star Trek fan when they when they put in a uh, reference that's not so obvious uh, in that way, like mm-hmm. either mentioning Cisco or Archer or Janeway. I don't think they've done or anything like that, but those are nice touches. I would like to see some Enterprise jokes, just because we're heavily in Enterprise right now, and I yes. would I'd start to get them. I really did like that Q sequence uh, when they. <laughs> They show up on the the chessboard dressed as chess pieces, but they're facing off a deck of cards with hockey sticks. <laughs> a little, it, a little bit know. like that prisoner episode where he's uh, yeah. the, the, the chessboard. Yeah, but I I just I just really liked it when they were like, I don't. What are we supposed to do? And like, I guess we're supposed to play some sort of game, but I'm not sure which. Because <laughs> it was they they do that stuff not even just Q episodes, but 
you know, what is it? The, uh, that terrible deep space nine episode. It's always move along home. It's always, yeah, it's always a, a, a mysterious game that they have to figure out the rules for so they can, you know, save humanity yep. or something. Yeah. It was like Alice in Wonderland mixed with the, uh, the prisoner stuff right there. Not making any sense whatsoever. That's it. Thank you very much for listening, guys. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts, extra videos, extra commentary stuff, polls to vote on what we cover. We've been going through the 150 greatest films on uh, Rotten Tomatoes sci-fi, 150 greatest sci-fi films on Rotten Tomatoes. We just covered Liquid Sky, which is 1982. There's all that stuff. Um, and I set up annual memberships. Even though a resounding 99% of people said they don't care about it, I set it up anyway. Oh, it was pretty easy. It's a button click. And if you are so inclined, you can sign up for a year on Patreon, and it saves you two months total cost. So it's a way to save money if you think you're sticking around for the long haul. That's about it. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, Got a badass just came out. Uh can't remember what the episodes were because I'm a terrible at my job. Terrible trio um, is that terrible trio and Harlequinade? yes, terrible trio and Harlequinade. That's what it was. Yes, uh, which features terrible trio, which is uh, Bruce Tim has said is the worst episode in any DC animated television show. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a new Rotten Horror title. Picture show coming up. Yes, we have a new Rotten Horror Picture Show coming out as well next week, which is. The thing, I believe, John Carpenter's yes. the thing. Sounds right. Um, we'll have a we'll have a guest on, a friend of mine named uh, Tony McMillan. He's a writer who's uh, currently working on a comic book about a fictionalized account of the uh, movie special effects scene in the eighties, which mm-hmm. is pretty fun. And the thing has a lot of that, I suppose. Sure does. Sure does. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. Otherwise, yeah, join the Discord if you want to. Do all that stuff. Um, I don't think there's really much else to say about it. We had Veritas. I don't know what the next episode is because they haven't released it, unfortunately, for me. Because I can't get ahead on making thumbnails, which is my pride and joy. The only thing that gives me any kind of happiness in this world. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of it. We'll be back with Enterprise coverage. All the other shows you can find them at thepenskyfile.com. Are you the worst Batman villain? The 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 Like the Riddler, but you're a thumbnail person, so you... <laughs> send all the all the all your clues to your crimes out in youtube thumbnails <laughs> you have to you have to search through the youtube algorithm to find all of the right uh thumbnails to lead you to what bank you're robbing that would be a pretty that's a pretty interesting movie plot actually to have something built around uh, looking through youtube for clues um that feels very appropriate <laughs> i'll have to write that script once i renew my final draft uh, subscription but i have problems i have, I have the issues there um I think that's pretty much it. It was a quick one. It was only 42 minutes, which is kind of nice. Um, I guess we're done. We will see you guys next time with whatever the next the, the next episode is. Do what TV shows do. Play the extra long version of the theme song. <laughs> that'll, that'll buy you another minute and a half. <laughs> we do the opposite. It's the um, TNT. We got to get to the next show. Speed them up the credits so that they just oh, blur yeah, past the you. Credits? Oh, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> well, it depends what it is. It, yeah. But uh, it's like... I hate that I've said this before. I hate that YouTube has taken over that kind of thing where they superimpose the buttons for the next video on top on like the last 45 seconds of whatever you're watching. So you can't actually see how it ends. 
I know. Get real granular with it and be upset that people log off before that happens. Uh, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file. And we will be back with the next Enterprise episode, which is next, and then the next Lower Decks episode, which is after that. So thank you very much and see you later. <laughs>